0: Hey church, welcome to a live Church Online. Praise God for technology. Well, I'm sure you all know, in line with government advice, every gathering of over 100 people has been asked not to meet for the next few weeks. And, and we're going to comply with that uh, request from the government. But we're not going to let that stop us hearing from God this weekend. And in fact, we're going to use this opportunity as an opportunity to, to reach out to our community, to our friends and our Facebook friends and, and, and our all of our community all around. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, continue in the series that we've been in, and we've been in a series starting to talk about the benefits that we have of serving God. So what I want you to do is I want you to share this message and share the different posts that we've posted on Facebook for the last couple of days, informing our church and our community that we're going to be doing our messages online for the next few weeks. I want us to invite our community into being a part of what we're going to do. So I want you to remember, Psalms 103 and verse 2 says that we are not to forget all of his benefits. So when we heard this news that we're going to be in lockdown as such with our church services for the next few weeks, we went into the studio, Rebecca and I, and we recorded this brand new message, the second part of our series, talking about the benefits of God. And that is how in these strange times, we need still to have some hope. So I want you to join us today, uh, wherever you may be, whether you're in your sitting room at home, watching on your smart TV or, or just watching on your phone. But take this next 30 minutes or so and spend it with us. Listening to what God has to say about one of the benefits that we have in serving Him. And that is, we can have hope. Last summer, we were in a message series called Benefits, where we talked about some of the benefits that we as believers in Jesus have because of our relationship with Him. The psalm says that we should not forget the benefits that we have when we follow after God. And that's what we did last summer. We talked for a few weeks about the benefits that we have in following after Jesus. And this year, God laid it on my heart very strongly that, you know, He wasn't finished with that, and that we needed to talk about some of the other benefits that we had in following after God. So that's what we're going to do this week, and for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some more of the benefits that we have in following after God. So today, I want to talk to you about a benefit that we have in following after God, and that is we have hope, and that's good news. Amen. That we have hope you know, hope is one of the most powerful forces in the universe. Hope is what gets most people out of the bed in the morning, and the lack of hope is what keeps a lot of people in the bed in the morning. One dictionary definition of hope, it defines it this way, it says, an optimistic attitude or mind based on an expectation of a positive outcome. Doesn't that sound great? An expectation of a positive outcome. That's the definition of what hope is. We are talking about some of the benefits that we have in serving God, and I believe one of the greatest benefits that we have in serving and following after God is that God gives us, you and me, the ability to live in and walk in hope. Hope. Hope the way things are today will change. Hope that things will get better that the sickness will go away hope that the finances will come in hope that the coronavirus will not come near our families God says in Isaiah chapter 54 he said in verse 17 he said there he said no weapon that's formed or fashioned against you me everybody no weapon that's formed or fashioned against a believer in Jesus will prosper isn't that great news no weapon Hope gives us believers the ability to look confidently towards a better outcome. Romans chapter 12, it says there, in verse 12, it says that we are to rejoice in hope. We're to rejoice in hope. We're to find our joy in hope. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, everywhere that he went, a crowd followed him. If Jesus had had an Instagram account, if that had been something in Jesus' day, it would have been a verified account. He had so many followers. Jesus was able to attract bigger crowds than most people can attract at musical festivals today. Such was his attraction. Jesus had tens of thousands of people following him around at any one time. Everywhere Jesus went, every street that he walked down, he was surrounded by people why why such a following was it because that people heard that at a few gatherings that he had a a few weeks ago that he he fed everyone and then again he had another gathering a, a month ago and i heard he fed everyone there too was that the reason was it because people were tired of listening to the religious people of the day and and was jesus a bread of fresh air in his time Was it because he had charisma? Was he an excellent speaker? You know, no, I don't believe any of these were the reasons, even though he did all of those things and he had all of those things. Jesus was a great speaker. He did feed the thousands. But I believe the thousands followed Jesus everywhere he went for one main reason. He was a bringer of hope. People flocked to Jesus because everywhere that he went, every word that he said was hope-filled. And he brought hope everywhere he went. You know, living under the oppression that the Roman Empire brought in that day, and and, and the oppression as well that that the leaders and the rulers of the synagogue and the religion that day, the oppression that they brought, to hear anyone talking about hope must have brought great peace and joy to their lives. They lived in times of great hopelessness. And then Jesus appeared on the scene. And when Jesus appeared on the scene, He brought hope to people that hadn't seen hope for decades. Maybe they'd never seen hope in their lives. And now all of a sudden, here comes Jesus, and and He talks about hope. He's demonstrating hope. That's what I believe. And that's why I believe people are attracted to Jesus, like metal is attracted to a magnet. When you read through the stories of Jesus' ministry and you see so many sick people, demon-possessed people, hopeless people, day after day, approaching Jesus with hope in their hearts. It's amazing how attractive Jesus was because he brought hope. And you know the thing? People who came to Jesus with hope, not one of them ever left Jesus without having that hope fulfilled. Jesus was the great fulfiller of hope. Luke chapter 8 and verse 40, it says there, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. When Jesus was active in his ministries, the leaders of the Jews hated him. And they looked for half a chance to, to put him to death, put him in prison, or, or just, just get rid of him out of, out of their sight. But in this story, we, we, we see one of the leaders of the synagogue, Jairus by name, actually looking for Jesus not to accuse him, not to have him arrested, Not to have him put to death or or to catch him out in a question. No, Jairus was looking for Jesus because his daughter was dying. And his last hope was having Jesus come and lay his hands on her and heal her. Everywhere Jesus went, he brought hope. Verse 42, it says there in the second part of that verse, it says, But as Jesus went, the, the multitudes thronged him. They thronged him. They were all around him, he was, he was surrounded by people. That verse actually could read the, the multitude of hopeful people thronged around Jesus. Verse 43 says, Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians, doctors, and could not be healed by any of them. Now, we know this woman in the story as the woman with the issue of blood and and as she was introduced to us, Lucas is telling us that she was sick for 12 years. That's a, a long time to be sick, isn't it? That's a long time to have a condition. 12 long years. And she had spent every cent that she had, all her livelihood, all of her income, had gone on different doctors to try and resolve the issue that she had. And now she had come to a place where she had no more money. She was broke. She had no more hope. Until one day someone came to her and knocked on her door and said, you know, that guy that's going around healing people and we heard he, he fed a few people and he raised a couple of people from dead. He, he gave some other people their sight back. Uh, that, that guy is coming to town today. And when she heard that story, that, that story raised up in her hope. Because now there was a, there was a chance now that maybe, if he's done all these great things for other people, maybe, maybe he could do the same for, for me. You see, time and time again, she had put her hope in different places and been let down. And now when she'd come to the end of her own means to provide hope for herself, now she, she felt that the only place that she could now look for, for hope was, was, was maybe to Jesus. So here she finds herself sick, Weak, unclean, and broke. You see, she had a few problems that day. Oh yeah, she was sick. She was broke. There was a massive crowd around Jesus. A multitude, the Bible tells us. And she was unclean. Meaning that if if anybody caught her in her infirmity, that they could take her aside and they could stone her to death. So as you can see, she, she had a, a few issues. But how many of you know that hope destroys fear every time? See, hope is a great destroyer and it, it, it absolutely annihilates fear. And she left her house that day and she went looking for Jesus. Knowing that every step that she took was taking her life into her own hands. And when she finally found Jesus... He was surrounded by that multitude, maybe a few hundred, maybe even more. Other hopeful people looking to get what they needed off Jesus taking care of. Verse 44 tells us that she came from behind and touched the border of his garment or the, the hem of his garment. Now I ask you today, how would you get through a crowd of possibly hundreds of people to get anywhere near to Jesus to be able to stretch out your hand and to be able to touch the hem of his garment? How would you do that? If, if, if he was thronged by the multitudes, how would you do that? Now, I'm a big fan of rugby. I, I really like rugby. Uh, if there's a rugby game on TV and a soccer game, I'll choose the rugby game every time. I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic game. But I think if you've ever watched a rugby game, you'll know that it's a tough game. You have 15 men from, from either side. And, and the object of, of, of their game is to take this oval ball and to get it over the other team's try line. Now, again, if you've ever watched a game of rugby, the 15 guys on the defensive side, when the other team is attacking, they will do everything in their power to stop you touching that ball down over their line. Now, can you imagine these 15 people lined up, ready to take you out before you touch that ball down? I kind of think, and when I'm thinking about the woman with the issue of blood and how did she get to Jesus, I'm kind of thinking something similar. But, I, you know, obviously not the same. I don't believe they had a rugby ball there. But I do believe that as she went to get to Jesus, it was kind of like trying to get into the middle of a scrum. And trying to get into that middle of that scrum and, and get close enough to Jesus that she could reach out and touch him. And I don't believe that that's any mean feat in any way, shape, or form. I believe that the only way that this woman could get to Jesus was on her hands and knees. I believe that she would have got down on her hands and knees and with hope stretched out her hand and knocked, it didn't say grabbed hold of. It said she touched the hem of his garment. Verse 44 continues and it says, And immediately her flow of blood stopped. It says, right away, that very second, immediately that flow of blood stopped. She was healed the second her hope connected with Jesus. Her hope. Her hope, it connected with the Savior, with the provider of her answer, Jesus. Verse 45 says, And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? See, Peter was, you know, (laughs) Peter was there. Peter could see the, the multitude. And all of this multitude, you know, they weren't standing back and giving Jesus a foot. They weren't doing that. They were right on top of him. You know, as Jesus walked, you know, there was probably a dozen people touching him or bumping up against him in some way. So Peter says to Jesus, you know, come on, Jesus. You've seen all the people around you. What do you mean who touched you? It could have been any one of a hundred people here. But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out of me. You see, the woman with the issue of blood, when she touched Jesus, she didn't just bump up against him. She didn't fall into him. She didn't, wasn't pushed into him. She reached out purposefully to Jesus with faith and with hope and received from Jesus. That's why Jesus said, Who touched me? For I perceived power going out from me. Verse 47 says, Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and fell down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason that she had touched him and how she was immediately healed. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. It was her faith. And her faith caused her to reach out in hope and receive from Jesus. You see, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. She believed and had faith in if she only touched Jesus' garment, if she only barely touched the hem of of Jesus' garment, that she would be healed. And that belief and faith were powered by hope. Verse 49 continues with Jairus' story, thinking we're forgetting about him. No, we weren't forgetting about him. Did he think Jesus was forgetting about him? Maybe, but Jesus never forgets about us. Amen? We're always on Jesus' mind. Verse 49, and it says, While he was still speaking, Someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. It says that when Jesus heard the bad news, that he turned immediately to Jairus and said, Do not fear. Don't let what they've just said destroy your hope. Just keep your eyes fixed on me, Jairus, and your daughter will be healed. Because Jesus knew that when Jairus heard this word coming back from his home that his daughter was dead, Jesus knew that that was going to destroy his hope. So Jesus said, no, 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 no. Keep your eyes on me. Keep focused on me, Jairus. Keep your hope in me, Jairus. I said I'd go and do it. I said I would go with you. Trust me. I'm good to my word. There is nothing that the enemy likes better to do when you're in faith and your hope is in Jesus than to throw a spanner at your hope. You see, it's not like when you walk in hope and faith like the enemy will leave you alone <laughs> wouldn't that be great wouldn't it be great when we're in faith and we're hoping for stuff that the enemy would say, nah i'll leave him alone i'll go have a kick kat no he doesn't do that when you're in faith and hope the enemy goes to work all the harder he doubles down to try and destroy your hope knowing that if he can rob you of your hope he can rob you of your breakthrough he can rob you of your healing can rob you of your miracle, if he can destroy your hope. Just like when Peter was walking on the water and heading towards Jesus, as he walked on the water, he had his eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. There was nothing breaking his gaze between him and Jesus. But the enemy knew that Jesus's hope was in Jesus. Peter's hope was in Jesus. And he knew that if he could only take his attention off of Jesus, that he'd sink. So what did he do? Threw a storm at him. Threw some wind at him. Threw some waves at him. Got a splash of water in his face. And all of a sudden, Peter looked around and and he saw what he was doing. Something that no man had ever done before. That was walk on liquid water. And straight away, when the enemy got Peter to take his eyes off of Jesus, he started to sink. He had destroyed his hope. If he could break his hope, he would get him to sink. And when Jairus was given the news that his daughter had died, Jesus immediately turned to him and said, do not be afraid. Don't lose hope. Keep your focus on me. Hope is going with you to heal your daughter. Verse 51 says, and when he came to the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter James and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but, but he said, Do not weep, she is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, and he took the child by her hand, and he called her, saying, Little girl, arise. And then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded them to give her something to eat. You see, when your hope is fixed on Jesus, Jesus will never let you down. Zechariah 9 describes those who have their eyes firmly fixed on Jesus as prisoners of hope. Doesn't that sound great? Prisoners of hope. Are you a prisoner of hope? Are you firmly fixed on Jesus? Is your hope firmly fixed? Fixed in Jesus? If it is, that makes you a prisoner of hope. And, and when, it, when it says you're a prisoner, it means you are locked up in that hope. That you cannot be broken out of that hope. I want to be a prisoner of hope. I want everything I do to be, to be locked up and locked into Jesus. Because He is the giver and provider of every hope that I have in my life. You see, God's Word is full of promises for you. Full of promises for your family. Promises like abundant life, a crown of life, a heavenly home, answer to prayer, assurance, comfort, and deliverance, healing, everlasting life, and so many more promises that God gives us. God's word is full of promises. And it is these very promises that we put our hope in. And if we keep our hope in these promises, and don't let them go. Jesus will guarantee you to see these hope and these promises manifested in your life. Hebrews chapter 6, it says there in verse 18, it says, "It says God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hope of, take hold of, Of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope and it is an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Firm and secure. And it says it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. It says that hope in Jesus is an anchor for our soul. Now, we all know what anchors are for. And if you're not into a a nautical person in any way, shape, or form at all. An anchor is to hold a ship in place. And the Word of God says that our hope in Jesus is an anchor for our soul. It's an anchor for our lives. Is your hope anchored in Jesus? Is it steadfast and fixed firmly in Jesus? If it's not, let me tell you, it needs to be. We need to fix our hope in Jesus we also need to remember that it is impossible for God to lie. And therefore, every promise that God has given us, He readily watches over it to perform it. Isn't that great? When we hope in God, nothing is impossible. I love that. When your hope is in God, nothing is impossible. Hebrews chapter 11, and verse 1 again, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is an absolute substance. It's a substance of the things that we hope for. The things that you dream about. The things that you need. And it's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. 1 Peter 1, it says there, In verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Church, we are here today because we have this very living hope of eternal life through our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, it seems to me that me, myself, I was always eternally minded. I always had this eternity thing in my life where even as a a young boy, I used to think of eternal things, you know, heaven, where was I going to go when it finally came, my time? You know, I was always praying, Lord, show me. Reveal to me. Give me hope because this is what I was looking for. I was looking for hope because, you know, I'd been to enough church gatherings. I'd been to enough religious services where I wasn't given the kind of hope that I wanted. Nobody ever told me, you know, your hope needs to be firmly fixed in Jesus and the penalty that he, and the price that he paid on the cross for you. And if you have that kind of hope in Jesus, then you will be saved. Nobody ever told me that. And that's what I was looking for. I was looking for that assurance of salvation that, that now I know could only be found in Jesus. I'm the type of person that doesn't take possibilities or, or maybes as, as, as good odds. If you come and tell me that, yeah, no, that's possibly the combination or that's possibly the number, it's not good enough for me. And when it came to my eternity, possibly or maybe, that definitely wasn't good enough for me. I needed truth. I needed guarantees. I needed someone to come and tell me, do this, this, and this, and and your eternity is secure. So I used to pray at night. God, show me how I can have the assurance of salvation when I pass, when my time comes. I wanted to close my eyes on this earth for the last time and open them up and be sure of where I was going. And in religion, nobody gave me that hope. But you know, God is faithful, isn't he? Yes, he is. God is faithful. He answered my prayers. And he sent a friend to me who started to witness to me and tell me about about this great hope that he had and that he had just been introduced to. This hope that if you put your trust wholly and fully in Jesus Christ and trust him as your Lord and Savior, that you will be saved. And when it comes your time, you will be in heaven. This was music to my ears. And I didn't jump on it straight away because, again, I'm the kind of person that likes to test things and, and make sure that they are true. So over the period of a few weeks, I, I, we, we uh, traveled back and forward and we questioned each other back and forward and back and forward of what I was raised up and what I believed and, and what now he was telling me was now the truth. And, and then we debated this over a number of weeks and eventually he came to the place where I, I, I couldn't debate it anymore. I came to a place of realization that, This is true hope. Put your trust in Jesus and you will be saved. He pointed me to scriptures like Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I mean, that was music to my ears. This is what I wanted to hear. And I didn't know that. He pointed me to a scripture in Acts chapter 2 that says it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It was out of this hope that the thief on the cross who was being crucified beside Jesus asked him to remember me when you come into your kingdom. And it is in this hope that you can reach out to Jesus today with confidence that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and it is in this hope today that I want to say a a very quick prayer and I believe that if you say this prayer after me believing in your heart confessing with your mouth the word of God says you will be saved so wherever you are today wherever you're tuned into us today wherever you're listening to this podcast today if you repeat this prayer after me God says salvation will be yours Heavenly Father I give you my life Jesus, I ask you to save me. Thank you for paying the price for all of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. We believe that if you prayed that prayer with us today, we believe that the word of God says that you will be saved. Isn't that amazing? So if you've prayed that prayer this morning or you want to know something more about this new life, feel free to contact us on Facebook or on Instagram or send us a message on info at alivechurch.ie or send us a direct message on Alive Ireland on Facebook. We love to connect with you. I also want to give you this opportunity today to bring your tithes and offerings. Now, again, I know we're not in our physical setting here in church, but we have a link in the description. If you're on Facebook, I think it's above me. If you're watching on YouTube, I believe it's below me. So if you click either of them links, it will bring you to a giving page. You know, just because we're physically not in church this weekend doesn't mean that God excuses us from our giving. So if you want to give today, please click on those links and we believe and we trust God will bless you as you give. Thank you for joining us today in our service. Wherever you may be, we're thankful that you joined us today. And I want you to remember in this week, whatever you do, always know that our hope is not in our government, even though we thank God for them. Our hope is in our God.